Hello, everybody. This is this week's No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. How you doing? Got another great week planned for you. Um, this week's going to be really quarterback heavy. There's a lot of news um, surrounding the quarterback position, and that's great because uh, it's good copy. Everybody wants to hear about the quarterback. Um, so, Matt, before we get into that heavy, you, you went to the Steelers camp this uh, this week, right? This weekend. How did everybody look? What, what stood out to you? Yeah, I was there last week, and I'm going back tomorrow. We'll spend tomorrow night there, do two days at camp with radio shows and whatnot. Um, a couple guys that stand out for sure are Marquise Pouncey and Le'Veon Bell do not look injured at all. They look like they're ready to roll and back. Uh, Sammy Coates has really been the story of camp, that he's stepping up in a big way. He looks fantastic. I thought the same thing at minicamp. I thought the same thing late in practices last year when I saw him. Um, who else? You know, uh, I'm thinking about the offensive side of the ball here. I would say that's probably it, although Eli Rogers is a name people need to start to learn, too. Slot guy, right? punt returner, he's going to make this team maybe make it so Antonio Brown does not have to return punts. That would be a big deal. Um, the two rookies, not Artie Burns, but the second and third round pick, have really looked good, too. Hargrave and Davis on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Shazier didn't practice the day I was there, but he looks like he's playing game at another speed, a different level. Uh, I think him and Stephen Tuitt are primed to really become stars in this league and the leaders of that defense overall. So I guess that's it. I mean, those are some of the names that are impressing. And, you know, as we say, I mean, this time of year, uh, most of the things will go down as opposed to going up. But those are some impressive things right now. You know, listening to you, two things stood out. Stood out. Steelers always seem to have great, uh, really interesting skill position players, dynamic guys. And they always find leaders and stars on that defense, don't they? Yeah, they do, and they've been drafting defense so heavily the last three years, give or take, um, and I think some of those athletes are ready to step up. They did lose Sinquez Golson. That's a bit of a blow. They could use a guy like Bud Dupree to really step forward. You know, Lawrence Timmons is here, and he's kind of the elder statesman of that front seven, along with James Harrison, who's probably in his last year. But, yeah, if Shazier and Tuit step up, to be star-level players, I mean, easy Pro Bowl-type guys, especially Shazier, uh, the defense could be pretty good because the offense is going to be there. Interesting. Last question about the Steelers. Is there any, is there any like, worry or any bad vibes about the suspensions and things? I mean, certainly, you know, there's, and, and some injuries. There's some, there's some challenges there for all, you know, for all the talent that this team has. There are some challenges going into the season. Yeah, there are, and there's some injuries as we speak. Who knows what they're going to get out of their first-round pick. Artie Burns is kind of a work in progress. But to answer your question, no. I mean, I really don't get that vibe at all from writers, from players, from coaches. It's just such a stable organization, and they just keep moving forward. they got that next-men-up mentality. Tomlin's been there forever. I mean, you got Big Ben. You have such stability that they overcome big things every year. So, no, I don't think that's you know looming. Um, you keep hearing that this, that people think that Bell's suspension might get lifted. Uh, I don't know, but boy, when he comes back, he's going to be a big time player for them. I, I lied. One more question: Could this team end up in the Super Bowl? Yes, uh, I think. I look at the AFC, and I think the Steelers and Patriots are heads above everybody else. 
Um, Even after Bengals, that, huh? I, I, I'm I'm straining for number three. I'm not sure who's number three is in the AFC, but I think those are the two top dogs easily. You're not liking you're not liking Cincinnati at all. I think Cincinnati's taking a slight step back. I think Denver takes a slight step back. I think the Raiders take a step up. I think San Diego takes a step up, but not are a Super Bowl team. Kansas City's kind of a constant, and nobody out of the South has me excited as a true contender. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, speaking of Denver and quarterbacks, I'm at Broncos camp today, and, uh, you know, as expected, Gary Kubiak announced that uh, Mark Sanchez is going to get the first uh, quarter Thursday night in Chicago. Trevor Stimian gets the second quarter, and first-round pick Paxton Lynch gets the second half. And, you know, I, I know people were kind of laughing and scratching their heads yesterday when they released their depth chart, which means absolutely nothing right now. And they had both Sanchez and Simeon as the number one quarterback. I, I mean, I think this is to be expected. Um, you know, what, what I've gleaned from being there today, and I'm writing about it for today's pigskin later today, is that nobody's really stepped up. This has all been predictable because there's really no other answer. And, um, you know, two weeks in the camp, none of them has really stepped up. I talked to one prominent uh, NFL player who's been at camp a lot this year, former NFL player. He said, I haven't seen anybody have a good day out of those three guys. <laughs> he goes, none of them have been starting quality. He goes, I, I think they have a problem. and But I think they knew they had a problem going in. I mean, how do you see this? I mean, what's you see Sanchez starting the season? How long does he last? I mean, when when's Lynch get into the, the picture? I mean, what, what's your thoughts? I, I, it's scary, you know. Obviously, they didn't. They won the Super Bowl last year with subpar quarterback play, but I, I got to think the defense takes a slight step back. You know, now we're hearing Talib could be suspended for eight games. Uh, they they lost Trevathan. That's they speculation lost so far. You know, or right reporting, but yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Never been a Sanchez believer. You know, if you're going to win these close, low-scoring games, and Manning throws the ball over a ton, too, but do you trust Sanchez not to screw it up? I really don't. You know, my question to you is, is the Simeon buzz real, or is that really just a, an indication of just how bad the other options are? You know, it's not like, is he, is he going to come out of shock the world like Tony Romo did coming out of Eastern Illinois or one of these other guys, or is he just one of the able bodies in camp right now, so therefore he's part of the equation. I don't think, you know, just watching the Memphis tape, I don't think Lynch is close to ready, but it's pretty clear to me that whoever gets to start is just a placeholder until he is. What would worry me big picture, though, is hopefully they don't rush Lynch in because these other guys are so poor. If it were me, I'd be on the phone with the, with the Browns for Josh McCown. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes up for the Sanchez deal because he's not the answer. But they need that. What Sanchez is on paper is what they need, and that's why they got him. But they, McNown could help them a little bit. They just they just need somebody who uh, who's done it before. And you know that that player I was talking to, he said that's why it should be Sanchez because he's done it before. Um, Simeon is just, I mean, what, you know, he's just. He's not Mark Sanchez, and he's not a raw rookie. But he's a he's a second year player that you know was just around last year. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that he was with Peyton Manning in the same room for a year. That that certainly didn't hurt him. But this is what I keep going back. They 
the Broncos knew exactly what they had in him when they drafted Paxton Lynch with the number 26 pick, which they traded up to get. So I don't think they make that that selection if they feel terrific about Simeon. Simeon would just be a, a placeholder and 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 a fact that Sanchez stinks. That's the only way he fits into this thing. And Lynch probably is going to get rushed at some point, but because I mean he's the guy they want to play eventually. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it, and to me. The only reason I feel like, and I'm, you know, you're there and I'm not, the only reason I feel like we're even talking about Simeon is because he was in the meeting rooms with Peyton Manning, but more importantly, he was with Kubiak. I mean, he's the only one of the three that was here last year. I would think almost by default, mentally, he should have the leg up on all those guys in terms of what Kubiak's looking for and the offense yeah. and the verbiage and all those things. And, and Kubiak's a system guy. Kubiak really relies on brains. Uh, Simeon gets it. He's from Northwestern. You know, hey, Kubiak's played Yates before, so he's not afraid to go, you know, out of the box and maybe with a lesser talented guy. So maybe, maybe that does happen. But I think this is the most fascinating storyline of the NFL preseason. I mean, this is the defending Super Bowl champion, and they have a just they have nothing at quarterback, and it, you know, and it, but they can't be upset because they won a Super Bowl out of the deal. You know, they they got Peyton Manning for four years. For three of those years, most of the three years, he was a complete stud. He was the answer. They they gave him he gave them everything they wanted, and now they have to figure it out. But they're figuring it out with the luxury of a Super Bowl ring. So I think they'll live with it. Yeah, and it's not like the you know when you're looking at a big picture, they have a first round pick that they just took sitting there. He's just not ready yet. So maybe right. they have a year or year and a half or something with subpar quarterback play, and then Lynch becomes a star. I mean, so it's not like some of these, these quarterback situations around the league where, boy, th- there's nothing here and, you know, there's no hopes for the future either. Right, right. Before we stay on the quarterback uh, track here, I just want to clarify the Khalid thing. It was it was reported that it might be eight games. It was nothing. It wasn't a solid report. I, I, I used the term light report. That was probably inaccurate. It's just we don't know yet, but there's worry that it may be a half a season. And if that's the case, that great defense takes a step back. Yeah, and he's not the cleanest guy off the field to begin with, so that doesn't help his cause. Right, right. Hey, you know, I was at the Chargers last week, and, you know, Bill Rivers just keeps on going. I know we've talked a lot about the Chargers so far in the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Um, you know, I was talking to Mike McCoy about Rivers, and he says, you know, is there, I asked him, is there any concern that, hey, you know, he's going to be 35 this season and your time may be running out? He goes, absolutely not. That is not an issue at all. We do not feel pressure that we have to win with Bill because his age. He said, we have to win now because we have to win now. But, you know, the guy's in his prime. Do you see a guy still in his prime? Yes. Uh, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Probably a top five guy, give or take, uh, maybe a little less. I mean, a guy would definitely take Rodgers, Brady, Ben, you know, but I think he's still in the conversation with Wilson, Newton, Palmer, Breeze. Uh, I think he's the most underrated player of this generation, should get Hall of Fame consideration, probably won't, but is still playing very, very he might. well. He might. He might. He might. Especially if he could get a ring sometime, which doesn't seem like we haven't, you know, 
an immediate future. Well, maybe you just make another run at it, you know, make right. um, have a couple playoff seasons. But, you know, his numbers are going to be Hall of Fame worthy. You know, so, uh, I mean, there, there's some quarterbacks in there that haven't won a lot. and I think Phillips' numbers are going to be pretty on par with those guys. And, again, I think he's one of the absolute best quarterbacks of this generation. You know, I mean, the, those couple guys I mentioned, I'd take ahead of them, including Peyton Manning. But, hey, if you're the fifth best quarterback of this generation, there's something to said for that. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Rivers about the age thing. He goes, you know what, I finished last year really healthy, unlike 2014 when I had the back issues and everything, and I was a mess going into the off season. He goes, that was such a, a help for me because – I was able to really have a normal, good, productive offseason this year, and, and now I feel as good as I have in five or six years. And he's really charged up about that roster. Um, you know, he goes, hey, you know, we got – I may be almost 35, but we're really a team filled with guys in the third and sixth year. And right. he goes, I, I really like the makeup of this club. Yeah, I do too. It's young. I like a lot of the guys they brought in. I like a lot of the guys they've drafted in the last couple of years that I think will take a step forward. I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for getting the ball out quick. You know, they don't have a running game. Imagine how much less abuse it'd take if they actually had a running game. If Melvin Gordon was living up to his status, I'm not a big believer in Gordon, but I, I got to think he's going to be better than he was a year ago. They're, they're offensive hope, they're hopeful on that, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, and I don't see it. I, I wouldn't bet on it. But at least their offensive line has been getting crushed by injuries the last couple of years. They're a lot deeper now. That I think they can withstand those things, keep Rivers upright, and get the ball out of his hands quick. He diagnoses you know offenses or defenses so well. It's a good for, good formula right now. All right. We're going to take a little dive from quarterback and stay on the Chargers, though. This Joey Bosa uh, holdout is becoming a problem, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's about two weeks now. There was a report today by Bleacher Report that said that he and the team has not talked since July 28th. It's August 9th. That's basically two weeks. I mean, clock's ticking here. He's obviously not going to play in, in this weekend's preseason game. I mean, he's got to get in by Monday or so to even have a chance to play next in, in week two, and I don't know if they rush him because that you know that's how hamstrings get pulled. I mean, this is becoming an issue, especially, and, and what drives me crazy about it is the way this the CBA has been made since the lockout of 2011, rookie holdouts are necessary, and, and they're unheard of. And for this to be going on for two weeks, and then the report, you know, his mom says, hey, we should have pulled an Eli Manning. I mean, this doesn't look great. I, I don't, there's no other answer. It will get done, but it's just wasting time. And they absolutely are counting on him this year. I mean, he's going to be a key component of that defense as a run stuffer, moving them all over the line of scrimmage, maybe as, an, as a stand-up rusher, maybe as a three-technique on passing downs. And I, I really think he has a great shot of being defensive rookie of the year. I mean, I think his situation is optimal for high production to make a big impact right away. But it's getting ugly, and I keep ignoring it, thinking that the next report I'm going to hear on it is Joey Bosa reports, and we can stop talking about it. But it's been a long time now, you know, and then the mother thing <laughs> last night or the day before or whatever that was, it's kind of goofy. You know, I, I, I've been told that, you know, Bosa, is, his father was a first-round pick, that he kind of has a little bit of a sense of entitlement to him. 
But I, I also get the feeling, too, that the Chargers are kind of being cheap on this, too. You know, they're not exactly known as the the organization to be the most aggressive that winning at all costs type organization. Yeah, I mean, they've had some holdouts. But, again, I think a lot of teams have prior to 2011. Um, you know, I've always, you know, it's going to end at some point. He will be in uniform. I, I covered the Vikings in 2002 and Bryant McKinney didn't sign until, you know, friggin' Halloween. You know, and that just took such a toll on the team. I, I, I don't see this happening. But on the other side of Token, these rookie contracts are so easy now, the fact that it hasn't happened is like, there's right. got to be some real disconnect here. Yeah, what's the deal? I mean, why isn't it done now? And if they're not talking, it's not going to get done anytime soon. It, it is bizarre. I mean, I assume you're agreeing with me here, but there's there's no chance that someone that they're going to be like, hey, we're going to trade Bosa. You know, he's not happy here. We're going to tr- trade the guy somewhere. I mean, that's not going to happen, right? Well, today's the last day they can do it, ironically, and oh, okay. nobody has any ca- rookie ca- uh, cap uh, pool money, so. Yeah, it's it's something that both sides have to figure out, and I think as soon as they both realize we got to figure this out, and it's not that hard, and we're just talking about offset money, essentially, let's just get it done, you know. So, uh, you know, I I saw a report that was interesting. Hey, you know, he came, his dad was an NFL player. Apparently his parents did well with their money, and and he doesn't necessarily need the money yet. But if he wants to be an NFL football player, and I – think he does he needs to get to camp and he needs to start playing football right and you wonder what his teammates are thinking too like you know when he arrives like hey dude about time you arrive i mean you wonder if there's gonna be immediate friction or immediate you know barrier there between them well you know going through that thing in minnesota guys are getting annoyed because they had to answer questions from us every day about it especially you know his offensive line teammates talking about mckinney and, and then once they started playing and started losing and the number seven over full pick wasn't there and the guy who was, you know, playing left tackle for him wasn't doing that good a job, then they were starting to get annoyed at him. And, and I think that does – I think that has a chance of happening here in San Diego. But once the kid gets in, everything's going to be fine, I think. You know, it's just um, – Especially he's productive. He comes in and plays well. Yeah, stupid is the world because – because I can see this guy signing, like, you know, a, a, August 25th, pulls a hammy, you know, August 27th, and now he's out to week four. Right. Well, okay, that was smart. You know, that, 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 <laughs> that doesn't help anybody. You know? So, hey, back to the quarterbacks. Um, what's your, I mean, have you been following this Gabbard Kaepernick thing at all? You know, you hear some things that Kaepernick may be looking better than he had, and, he, you know, the light might be coming on for him. How do you see this thing playing out? I don't have a strong opinion on this one. You know, I mean, I think everyone says we've seen Kaepernick succeed at this level. He has the super high ceiling. He's got the great arm. He's super fast. He's one, you know, he had a year, a couple years there where he was taking San Francisco very far with Harbaugh and a very good supporting cast. But Blaine Gabbert was a top-ten pick. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like this guy is a chump in terms of, Ability to throw the football, size, movement skills. I think all those things fit the, the Kelly offense pretty well. You know, ideally, obviously, is if the Niners can actually find a quarterback out of these two. If one of the two ends up being an answer, that is a huge development for them long term. And if they don't have to go into next year's draft, 
and say, with a mat, with a number one need at quarterback, that would be gigantic for these guys. And I think either one could possibly do it. You know, is Gabbard better in the pocket than he was? Probably. I actually, last year I thought he was pretty good with a bad supporting cast. Kaepernick really worries me. I've, you know, I've been told many times that he's not dedicated to his craft as much as he should be doing the smaller things. He throws everything on a line. He doesn't throw with great touch. But there's tons of ability there. So Chip Kelly's gotten a lot more out of worse. You know, I mean, look what he got with Nick Foles. I'll take either one of these guys over Nick Foles. Is that right? Wow. wow. Yeah, or Sanchez. Well, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, were you surprised Foles uh, signed with Kansas City and not Dallas? No. I mean, I guess kind of. I mean, it's got a clear playing time, a clear path to playing time, in my opinion, in Dallas. But the familiarity with Reed, I think, speaks volumes. You know, Reed gets so much out of Alex Smith who I'm still not convinced is a good football player, and, and you know he, he plays to his strengths so well that I think Foles made the right choice. Yeah, just for him, just for his career? Yeah, for best chance of success on the field, I would if I were Foles, I'd rather go back to my former coach with a proven guy that knows the quarterback position and can manufacture offense with then go into Dallas and be thrust in to save the season, you know, with that madness. Right. You know, last Tuesday during our No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson, we talked about Tony Romo. I was at the Cowboys camp in Oxnard, California, and you said Tony Romo is probably the quarterback I'm worried most about from not playing 16 games. And then an hour later, Kellen Moore, a hundred feet from where you sit, where I heard you say that, broke his ankle, and now you know Cowboys got Dak Prescott as their backup for now. I mean, tenuous situation, scary situation, right? Yeah, and there's my two takes on this. Are, and like I said, of all the 32 starting quarterbacks, the one I trust the most, the one I trust the least to stay healthy is absolutely Romo. Age, injury history. You know, they're already monitoring his, his practice snaps. You know, he's not, they're, they're trying to rest him because they're worried about it. And, and we've seen that when he's out of the lineup, they can't beat anyone. They can't beat the Little Sisters of the Poor. And I think it speaks volume. I mean, Kellen Moore's not good, though. <laughs> I mean, right. he's got what may be the weakest arm in the league, and he's a cerebral guy. It wasn't like he saved the season last year, and it sounds like the sky's falling in Dallas right now. Kellen Moore got hurt. Kellen Moore, I mean, if, if you have that much, you know, reliance in a guy like Kellen Moore, you have much, much bigger problems. And I mentioned McCown earlier, this should be his destination. I mean, Denver and Dallas should be competing to get Josh McCown right now. And Dallas could do a heck of a lot worse. Right, yeah. Speaking of uh, guys, Cleveland, <laughs> RG3, Robert Griffin III, is uh, been named the starter pretty early in, in, in camp. Um, that's probably a situation of who else is it going to be, right? I mean, more, more so than the Browns have feeling really good about this guy getting his uh, mojo back. Well, you've been on the road, so you and I haven't been talking, you know, the articles I've been writing and whatnot. But this, I have one coming out tomorrow I turned in last night that's like a double-length feature on the state of the Browns. And... A lot of it has to do with the quarterback position. But I actually think that there's some good things going on here, that 
the ultimate home run of all home runs would be if Hugh Jackson, who is about as good as it come in this regard, can turn RG3 into back to being a franchise quarterback. And I'm not sure he ever was. I mean, but he has, coming out of Baylor, he was, he certainly has the traits to become one. Confidence mm-hmm. has a lot to do with it. Injuries have a lot to do with it. His, he, he's not without blame himself. But if they, that should be Hugh Jackson's primary job this entire year. And he's installing, he's instilling confidence in him now. He's our guy. He's our best play. He's our best option. You know, so that, that's always been a thing with Griffin is if you're down on him or I don't know if it's going to be him or Cousins, he starts to get down on himself, which obviously isn't a good trait. But they have Kessler, who's kind of like that Andy Dalton in the making type. They're probably going to have the first or second pick overall next year and tons of draft picks to go get Deshaun Watson if they want or whomever. I imagine they trade McCown. So if by chance they can turn Griffin into a quarterback, it's going to be like, and he's cheap, that it's going to be like Seattle when they had Russell Wilson under his first contract and just spend tons of money everywhere else not to mention all these gobs and gobs of draft picks they're going to have over this past draft, the next draft, and the draft after that, they, it's going to be a long road. And they may not win a game this year. I think they're horrible. But I see the plan, and I very much encourage everyone listening to look for my article tomorrow. It goes into a lot more detail. It's like 2,000 words. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, that's interesting about the, you know scoring with a quarterback who's cheap, and, and that just helps the organization get better everywhere. That's certainly a big reason how Seattle turned themselves into the championship team, other than really great drafting as well. Um, the 49ers had that luxury when Colin Kaepernick, looked, Colin Kaepernick looked like a franchise quarterback. They took advantage of that a bit. Um, it's all kind of falling apart, but that was there on that track. The Raiders think they're on the track with Derek Carr, so that, that's a really good point. Definitely. It's it's not, sort I think it's sort of patterned themselves after thin. the Raiders and, and the Jags that, boy, we have a little bit in place if they could draft their next Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson. You know, they had 14 draft picks this, this past year. If six or seven of them are hits, and they all all three superstars, it's at least a foundation. And I, I think then the Osemeles and the Malik Jacksons and the Bruce Irvins will start to say, okay, I'll go play for Cleveland, and they're going to have all the cap space they can imagine, even if Griffin's not the guy and it's Deshaun Watson or somebody like that's the quarterback. So I think they have a plan in place. It's just going to take a lot of time. Yeah. Staying with Cleveland, Terrell Pryor right now number two starting receiver. Terrell Pryor, a potential starting receiver in the NFL. What an amazing story. We just don't see this type of stuff. I mean – What's your thoughts on this guy actually being on the an NFL field as a receiver? Well, I don't know if you even know this part or if you and I have ever had this conversation, but it's the three and a half years in the Pittsburgh area of where in, in Akron area where I was watching recruiting tape all day every day, it was right after I left there, so it was the year I was with the Browns, is when Terrell Pryor came out of high school here in Pittsburgh, and he was the top recruit in the country. So I wasn't watching recruiting tape at that time, but I got my hands on some tape because it was, you know, something I was doing a lot of before that. And I'm like, I gotta see this guy. He's from my hometown, and I will say he was as good as any high school player I've ever seen. As a 
big, unbelievable athlete. He was the best basketball player in the city of Pittsburgh that year. You know, 6'5", 240. I thought he could be a tight end. I thought he could be a huge receiver. I thought he could be a pass-rushing linebacker. I thought he could be, you know, so many different things. That he's a remarkable, big, smooth, explosive, powerful athlete. So in a way, I'm not really shocked. You know, uh, he's given it a couple years, and if he dedicates himself to it, he has the natural ability to be not only a good run, uh, not even a, a make the roster type wide receiver, but maybe even a difference maker. But you know, look what they have there though. They drafted four wideouts, including Coleman, who all reports are glowing on. Josh Gordon returns. So one thing I'm pretty certain is if we have this conversation a year from now, we're going to say the Browns have wideouts. Well, let's start. Let's start. And that's part of the article I talked about. You know, they drafted pass rushers and they drafted wide receivers. It's a pass-first league. It's a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. You know, Pryor, I think Pryor came in with a bit of a bad rap because of the way he came into the league, you know, with suspension and kind of the black eye, you know, with Ohio State with the, the whole tattoo scandal. But, you know, I remember talking to Raiders coaches back then, you know, about a year or two into his time, and they were saying, you know what? He's been really good to deal with, and he's a really hard worker, and he's a really earnest guy, and he, and he cares. And, and, and you know, I, I've been around him a couple of times, and he's a real bright guy, and you can tell that he has a lot of desire. So good for him. I mean, this is this is not a path most people take to uh, receiver stardom, but, you know, again, good for him, and he's sticking to it, and, you know, could, could be a great story. It could be, and... and... Uh, I think there's a chance that he's a valuable contributor this year for them. Yeah. You sad to see Tim Tebow uh, try to make your pirates? Maybe better that than professional football. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't want to even talk about this guy. You know, I mean, he couldn't make it in the league. He shouldn't have been a first-round pick. He can't complete passes. Maybe he's a great DH or something. I don't know, and I'm not going to try to project him there. But, I mean, best of luck, Tim. One point on him, you know, it's a ton of Twitter today, and you know, like, why, dude? Why are you trying to change sports at 29 when you could have changed positions at 25 or 26? You know, especially when there's. But teams do we that know that though, Bill? You know, like it's easy for us to say. Or a fullback, you know, I mean, it seems kind of weird. It is, and I've heard he's very weird. To be honest with you, you know, everyone thinks he's the greatest guy and he's a wonderful humanitarian and all those things. That's probably true, but. I know a lot of people that aren't thrilled to be around him either. And do we know that anybody really wanted to take the time to say, hey, Tim, you've never caught a pass in your life, but we're going to make you a tight end, you know, as opposed to coaching up these guys that we drafted in the fifth round that actually is a tight end? You know, so I think it's easy sometimes for you and I to say, well, he's bad at quarterback, but, boy, he'd be a great fullback or he'd be a great tight end. But somebody needs to coach him up, too. And There's only so many hours in the day. I mean, you go to your tight ends coach and say, hey, I know you're not busy coaching up these three guys. Why don't you coach up this guy who's never ran around in his life or caught a ball? Right. I'm, but he did have some skills. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, he ran a field pretty, you know, pretty, it was pretty cool to watch at, at points. I was I sang to the voice of the Broncos, Dave Logan, uh, today about Tebow a little bit. I was on his radio show, and, of course, that came up. And, you know, it's okay to talk about Tebow and Denver now because it's all over and they had a Super Bowl ring, and, you know, it's okay. And, you know, he was saying, God, some of my 
best memories in the in, in the booth calling these radio games of all these unbelievable finishes with this guy and stuff that you for three and a half quarters you didn't think was going to happen. He's not, you know talking about the Broncos winning a, a road game in Kansas City with completing two passes. And, you know, it wasn't pretty, but it was fascinating as hell. It really was. Yeah, it was. And I was certain that the Steelers would beat him in that playoff game. You know, he he only only completed, I think, 11 passes in that game. But the Steelers didn't think he could throw at all, and he completed a few when it mattered most. And, yeah, I mean, I guess there is a clutch factor to him, and certainly going back to Florida, and he is exciting, and he's a different prototype. But, in the end, he can't complete passes. I mean, he's a very terrible passer of the football. Right. It's kind of a big deal. Hey, yeah, what, our last quarterback topic of the day, and kind of circling back to start with Denver, Brock Osweiler and, and John Elway kind of tw- created quotes this week, and it started with uh, Elway telling the Denver Post that, you know, he's kind of surprised that Osweiler was bent out of shape that they went back to, to uh, Manning week 17 there in the second half. Um, I mean, how's this story going to – are both sides going to say, man, we, you know, we should have signed Osweiler. We maybe should have took care of Bidigo a little better. And Osweiler may say, you know, I should have just sucked up and stayed with the Broncos. I mean, if he was on this field today, there would have been a lot less questions about the Broncos than, than you know, than I think I have now. I agree with that, but I have a lot of questions with him as a quarterback. I think he's got a lot of things to work on. I think he's, don't quote me, but I think he has started either 19 or 21 games since high school. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. not much to judge this guy off of. I mean, he's big and he looks like Joe Flacco, but he doesn't throw like Joe Flacco. I mean, he's all over the place. I mean, teams adjusted to him in the second half, and he was a much different player in the second half. So he got benched for a Peyton Manning that couldn't throw the football. I mean, so... I think it's petty for Elway and Osweiler to be doing anything in public, and I'm surprised Elway even has you know, shrunk himself to that to any degree. But in the end, I don't think Denver misses him, and I don't think Osweiler misses Denver. You know, he, he got benched. Could could Lynch be a better player? Than, is Lynch's ceiling higher than Osweiler's is? Yes. I think Lynch yeah. has more more talent, more upside. You know, we haven't seen him at all in a jersey. I would rather have Paxton Lynch on my football team than Brock Osweiler, and that goes quadruple for if you account for the contracts. Do you think Osweiler and the uh, Texans can make a bit of a run? Because the way I look at it is he's in a very similar situation, a system offense with a really strong-minded head coach and a potentially very good defense. So he might be able to not do too much, do what he does, and maybe lead them to some wins. I mean, it'd be better than Brian Hoyer, right? Right, that's the key. Is I trust O'Brien. He's gotten so much out of people even less talented, less ability than Osweiler. I think he will maximize Osweiler. So that's a good thing. I don't think he's worth the money, but they've also surrounded him. They know who he is, too. You know, they just didn't have any other options. So they've surrounded him with first-round pick, Braxton Miller, you know, Lamar Miller, uh, not to mention they already had Hopkins. So I do think that they can manage games and let his playmakers make plays if J.J. Watt's healthy, and he's not. Right, right. Interesting. Hey, pretty big news out of uh, Philadelphia this afternoon. Uh, Lane Johnson reportedly gained a 10-game suspension, second suspension. 
uh, you know, I believe it's PEDs. Um, how big of a hit is that for Philly? Well, this is his second one, right? I mean, he was suspended right. last year. They just invested in him heavily. You know, they didn't let him get the free agency. They gave him big money. They're looking at him probably as their, you know, left tackle when Jason Peters retires. I think he's a very good player. He's one of he might be the best right tackle in the league. I mean, he's one of the top two or three. Only getting better was a high draft pick for a reason. Highly athletic. And that's a huge blow. He's a big. He's a foundation piece for that team. So, so I mean, for that type of player to be out for ten day games, that's that's just that's just like a broken ankle. I mean, it's uh, it's it's right. a big deal that they're going to have to adjust to. Yeah, and they've reinforced the guard position in the interior, but they didn't do anything really at tackle. And Chip Kelly really left the guard position bare. So I was very much in favor of what they did. And it looked like it was going to be a really good line. And now that you know, maybe the most important piece of the group isn't going to be there for half the season, that's a worry, man. Yeah. Hey, that offense in that... general could be in for a long year. Interesting, interesting. Is there any, is there any damage for the guy, I mean, Talking about the Hall of Fame game being canceled because of the field issue. Does the Colts and the Packers does that hurt them at all? I mean, it might hurt the real bottom of the roster guys. You know, the fifth and sixth days on the roster were begging to get on the field and show what they could do in special teams and get that tape out there, not only to their their own coaches but to the rest of the league. But the reality is, I mean, they're getting five preseason games. Everyone else in the league gets four. So now they're just like everyone else in the league. They get four. And, you know, the coaches probably love it because they're like, okay, hey, we just got four or five extra days of camp on everybody else, and we didn't have an extra game to lose anybody to injuries. True, although I'm sure they'd love to see game tape of the guys that are borderline roster guys. Yeah, right. You know, I think think we're all guilty of this. We talk about these guys, you know, write about them, look at film about them. Oh, my God, what's going on? And then you go into the fourth preseason, you're stressing about these guys who never make an impact. You know, all the fourth preseason game is about who's going to be, you know, 48 to 53 on the roster to start the season. And then, you know, they get hurt and they get cut and all kinds of things happen. But, I mean, I think so much, we, we fret so much about the bottom of the roster, guys. I know it's an important aspect, but... Preseason's probably too long, anyways. Yeah, and see, you've done this before. You know, you've been a beat reporter around the team real heavily, and this is really the first year that I've you know done that with the Steelers. I'm not a beat reporter, but I've scrutinized and been that close to one specific team. And I've said it on the air all last week. I'm like, guys, you're driving me a little crazy. I don't think it's that big a deal who's 53rd and who's 54th on the roster, and by that, the guy that gets cut. Because he's probably going to get cut too. I mean, it's an interesting topic, but and I like to keep myself aware of that level of player all the way across the league because they're going to resurface somewhere else. Right. But you know, in the end, it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal in the building. You know, the special teams coach certainly cares, but you know, the average fan shouldn't get as worked up as they do about who does their favorite team keep and who do they cut in that absolute last spot. You know, I, I've I've wasted days of my life worrying about number five receivers. Oh, I bet. You know, and then and then you get to week four and you're like, God dang it, that guy hasn't been active all year. You know, <laughs> right? You know, they pick up somebody else, or yeah. <laughs> you know? And occasionally the guy steps up and has a great career. Back, please. 
Yeah, and people worry, are they going to keep seven or eight defensive linemen or eight or nine offensive linemen? You know, like, that's really not that big a deal. Right. Last uh, topic for me, um, the Bills, Bills have some worries on, on defense of those first two picks, Watson and Ragland with these injuries. I mean, thoughts there, what a, you know, what a tough deal for them to lose these youngsters before they even play. It's been all bad news out of Buffalo. I mean, I guess the yeah. only good news is that Sammy Watkins is supposedly coming back sooner than expected, hopefully. But Tarek Glenn, I mean, their franchise left tackle, he got injured. He's going to be out for a while. The rest of the line is shaky outside of, you know, the right side of the line is shaky. They're, they have to be a run-first team. Almost all their running backs have some sort of issue or suspension or injury or concern. There's a lot of them there. They have Reggie Bush there now. You know, their front seven was – their secondary is very good and doesn't get the credit it deserves, especially at corner. The front seven was one of the worst pass-rushing units in the league, very poor. And so they use their first three picks all on front seven players. Lawson's not going to play who knows when. Raglan's out now. And I think Raglan was going to be Rex Ryan's Barks – you know, he's going to be his Bart Scott. He was going to be his David Harris, his Ray Lewis, you know, his extension – of the coaching staff on the field, and he'd have been perfect in that regard. They traded up for him, and now he's banged up. So there's nothing good coming out of Buffalo right now. Yeah, you just got to wonder how Rex is going to handle this if it's, if it's results in a lot of losses early and, and how Buffalo ownership reacts to the way Rex reacts to it because you know Rex could be colorful, especially when things are going bad. So I think the Bills – Somebody that you know, we all got to keep a team that we all got to keep our eye on for for all the wrong reasons, really. Yeah, and and they have the longest stretch of anyone in the league since going to the playoffs. And I did a power ranking the other day for for the podcast that I'm doing with David Locke. And man, there's a couple teams that are horrible, but I had the Bills at like 28. Yeah, their right? season could really go right down the toilet, and we could talk about Rex being on the unemployment line. During the season, yeah? Maybe. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Well, hey, appreciate the time. Did we miss anything? Anything you want to talk about? No, good stuff. I think we buzzed through quite a bit, and we'll do it again next week, man. Cool. Thanks, everybody. This is this week's edition of the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. I will be at Seattle's camp on Thursday. Matt will be back at the Steelers, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. Thanks, everybody.